1: Welcome to Mind Love, episode 35. This episode is all about why and how to induce lucid dreaming.
0: When we work with our dreams, either when we're lucid in the dream or when we do waking work with the dream, we can change this kind of inner dream movie. And by doing so, we enable ourselves to transform on a deep level.
1: Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. First off, Mind Love is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can get all of your favorite podcasts. It has a super clean layout and you can create playlists and download episodes to play offline. It's my personal favorite and where I listen to all of my podcasts. Don't worry, you can still listen to Mind Love wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a try. Second, don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and leave a review if you can. Reviews really help to entice more amazing guests. Plus, it helps me grow the show, which ultimately helps me give more value to you guys. Today we're talking about lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming is when you're dreaming, obviously, but you're aware that you're dreaming. If you haven't experienced it, imagine being in a world where the usual laws of reality don't apply and anything is possible. There was a recent study in Germany that found about half the population has had a lucid dream and they usually start at younger ages. For some people it comes naturally, but just like anything, what you focus on expands. So if you're set on lucid dreaming and you put the work in, there's a good chance it'll happen for you. Our guest today is the absolute best person I could find for this topic. Her name is Claire Johnson, and she was the first person in the world to do a PhD on lucid dreaming as a creative tool. She's also the president of a global dream community, the International Association for the Study of Dreams. Who knew such a thing existed, but that sounds awesome. And she's been speaking on lucidity, sleep disorders, and lucid dreaming for over a decade. And she's written a bunch of books, including The Complete Book of Lucid Dreaming, Mindful Dreaming, Dream Therapy, and even a few novels inspired by lucid dreams. So today, three key things we will learn are how lucid dreaming can help with creativity and physical and emotional healing, how to decode the symbolic language of dreams, and tons of tips on how you can start lucid dreaming. Before we dive in, I want to invite you to sign up for the Morning Mind Love. You'll get short daily reminders of your own beauty, worth, and power, so you can start each day with a positive mindset and keep your vibes up between episodes. To sign up, visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get our exclusive Powerless booklet, which is an awesome free booklet based on proven principles from the most successful people and some of our favorite guests. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation set at the Miracle Tone, which is known to help attract love, health, and abundance into your life. The layered affirmations perfectly tune your frequency for personal transformation. So be sure to head to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Claire Johnson to the show.
0: Hi, Melissa. Happy to be here. Thanks for having
1: me on. So what's your background, and how did you first become interested in lucid dreaming?
0: Oh, well, actually, my earliest memory is of a dream where I had a flash of lucidity when I was three years old. It was a nightmare. I was drowning in a swimming pool, and I suddenly realized okay, I can either stay in this dream and drown, which is horrible, or I can wake myself up. And so I rolled over really fast in this dream water. And I ended up falling out of my physical bed and onto the floor. And my mum came running up and uh, gave me a cuddle and said, Oh, that wasn't real, Claire, that was just a dream. And I remember thinking, huh, how could it not be real? Because it was so real for me, the turquoise water and the feeling of panic. And so that I think that was a pivotal moment in my very young life where I realized that there were these two different worlds. And one world was the real world, which was all that mattered to adults. And then there was this other world, which adults thought was not real and didn't really like to talk about. (laughs) So... As I was growing up, I started, you know, I continued to have really um, very, very vivid dreams and nightmares and also sleepwalking episodes. Um, and I never really had any help with that because my parents just simply didn't really know how to respond to that. Um, but I, I found my own strategies to work with nightmares and to I started to really trust the wisdom of my dreams. And when I got to university, I started to study dreams. And I ended up being the first person to do a PhD on lucid dreaming as a creative writing tool. And then from then on, I went on and wrote my dream books. And uh, the, they've just come out, the two most recent ones, Mindful Dreaming and Llewellyn's Complete Book of Lucid Dreaming. Um, and I'm also very deeply involved with the International Association uh, for the Study of Dreams. I've just become the president of that organization. I've just attended a wonderful five-day dream conference in Arizona, where all everyone does is just talk about dreams and <laughs> how important they are and do workshops on them and get together um, to discuss them. So for me, it's really um Dreaming has really turned into a, a life's path for me. I feel very, very happy to be so connected with my dreams and I, I want to help other people to, uh, to engage with their dreams uh, because they can be so great for health, happiness and positive change.
1: Wow. It almost sounds like you spend more time in the dream realm than you do in the reality realm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, sometimes it feels that way, especially especially when I'm writing my books, I just disappear into the books. You know, uh, you just sit there as a writer and you just go into this world. Um, so I do sometimes feel like I need to <laughs> kind of get back to reality and go out uh, in nature have a bike ride and uh, play with my daughter and do stuff like that to uh, ground me in this world. Uh, but I love both worlds, you know.
1: If you are lucid dreaming all the time, is there a danger that you could lose your grip on reality?
0: Uh, no, not really. If, if you're kind of sound of mind, uh, then you'll you'll always be rooted in reality because reality pulls us back towards it every chance it can get, you know. Um, and I think this world we live in is just so beautiful. It's wonderful to be mindful of what we're doing every day. And I love that in my waking life, just as I love it in my dreams. I always try to um, appreciate beauty and uh, connect with nature and with other people and be conscious in the moment of what I am doing right now. I think that helps to enhance both waking life and the world of dreams.
1: Would you say you have more control in reality or in your lucid dreams?
0: Huh. Well, it's interesting, you know, people always ask about control, right? Because there's this um, there's this idea that uh, lucid dreaming is all about control, but it really isn't. It doesn't have to be. Um, some people spend their whole time while they're lucid trying to control the dream world. That's fair enough. I mean, I did a lot of dream experimentation when I was doing my PhD research to see what was possible in, in this other world. Um, but I came up with four levels of um, lucid engagement with with the dream and the first one is passive observation which is when you're lucid in a dream but you don't make any attempt to engage with the dream uh, or to do anything with any of the dream characters you're just actually aware standing there in your dream and even in that very non-controlling Level of lucid dream engagement, you'll find that your thoughts will still have an effect on the dream environment because the dream is thought responsive. So, for example, in one dream, I was in a forest and I was just looking around. I was determined not to control anything. (laughs) So, I just stood there, relaxed, and watched this forest. And my gaze fell upon a flower and I saw that it was a buttercup, but it was a red buttercup and I thought hmm that's interesting buttercups aren't usually red but I thought I won't judge you know I'll just carry on looking around and then when I look back at the buttercup it had turned yellow <laughs> so The dream had quickly corrected this this buttercup to to meet what my expectations were of what the the color of a buttercup should be. So the dream is extremely thought responsive. Really, I realized that we are the lucid dream and the lucid dream is us. So that kind of um, dissolves the, the elements of control. And there are other elements um, there are other levels of engagement with the lucid dream like passive participation where you simply if you're running down a road when you become lucid you simply continue to run down that road to see where the dream is going you go with the dream flow again with no overt sense of control And then there's sporadic control, which is when you might become lucid in a dream, but just decide every now and again to try and shape the direction of the dream. For example, by saying, um, I'd like to see my old friend who I haven't seen for 10 years and then see if your old friend turns up in the dream. And then beyond that level, there's continuous control, which is not when you actually do control every element of the lucid dream because that's pretty much impossible. But it's when you try all the time to change things and direct the dream in the direction you want it to go, which can also be extremely fun and enlightening. Um, But I think uh, one one of the lovely things about lucid dreaming is allowing yourself to be surprised by the dream because the dream is so creative. And if you let yourself just go with the flow of the dream perhaps every now and again put a little impulse out there uh, or you know expect or want something to happen and then just see what happens ask the dream a question see how the dream responds and you get the most fantastic answers, really surprising and creative, and they can really help you with your life situation. You can ask the dream about a problem you're having, uh, or a difficulty in a relationship, or a big decision that you're working on, and the dream will come up with something. So it's actually a a marvelous way of connecting with dream. And in that sense, you know, it's very like the way we act in in waking life, you know, (laughs) a lot of us, Well, we have we have small decisions we can take and have control over. But some of the big things in life, I mean, they just just come along. You know, you can't control every element of your waking life just as you can't control every element of a lucid dream.
1: When you ask your dreams these questions, how do your dreams actually answer? Do you have any examples that might help us get a better grasp on this?
0: Yeah, sure. So, for example, uh, one woman was very anxious and fearful in her waking life. And she used to suffer from recurring nightmares of being chased by very threatening men. And someone suggested to her, look, why don't you become lucid in the dream and find out why they're chasing you? Just ask them. And so she had this dream where she was being chased by a really a really tall man, a kind of giant with Really scary glowing green uh, no glowing blue eyes and uh, she was very scared running away and she realized she was dreaming and she turned around to face this giant, taking all her courage because it was very hard for her to do that and she said she said, "Why are you chasing me? And the moment she asked him that, he shrunk down to a normal size, his eyes stopped glowing and he looked all sad and chastened and said, "You need me for your fear' And she realized that actually, yeah, she was feeding her own fear, that she she kind of needed to feel this way in her life, but that she had the choice of not having to feel fearful. And amazingly, I mean, when she woke up after that nightmare, her waking life changed because she became less anxious and less fearful. And those nightmares of being chased by threatening men never returned. So that's one way that a lucid dream can answer us i mean we're speaking to a, a very deep unconscious part of ourselves when we're speaking in the lucid dream when we're asking questions and there's a lot of wisdom there there's a lot of psychological insight that can be gained if we're brave in that moment <laughs> and we're brave enough to ask our nightmare figures what they want why they're there or to work out you know what what is this situation why am i having a nightmare a lot of nightmares they're they're there as, as kind of healing gifts they're there to flag up a situation in our life where help is needed you know they're saying hey there's a problem here look this needs to be taken care of and so when we listen to our nightmares and engage with them lucidly we can actually change things that are happening in our waking lives because we're enabling change on a very deep level
1: That example gave me chills. It's like straight out of a movie. (laughs) I've been mindful about my dreams in the way of bringing awareness to why scary things would be popping up in my subconscious in the first place and trying to read into where they might have come from. But I've never really thought to try to face the fears within my dream. But now thinking about it, it's a really motivating reason to learn to lucid dream so that you can empower yourself to do that. And it's really the same way I try to approach obstacles in waking life. Instead of being like, oh my gosh, why me? I ask a more deliberate, why is this happening to me? What is needed here? And even going one step further, why is this obstacle being gifted to me by the universe? Because I really believe, like Ryan Holiday says, the obstacle is the way. And if I discover how to conquer that, then it's going to lead to something greater.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's right. This how to open new doors in your life. That's right. I mean, I think we do attract... um, everything in our life through the thoughts and images we keep in our mind and in dreams we come face to face with our deepest unconscious images so when we work with our dreams either when we're lucid in the dream or when we do waking work with the dream we can change this kind of inner dream movie and by doing so we enable ourselves to transform on a deep level and when we transform on this deep level our lives transform suddenly things become easier the relationships we're having uh, the the deep unconscious patterns that we've been set in in our lives are freed up for something new for something happier and and just you know more enriching for us
1: on your website you have these three overarching ways that lucid dreaming can be beneficial These ways are exploring, creating, and healing. So I'd like to tackle these one by one. First, how can lucid dreaming help us to explore? What are we exploring, and how is this helpful to us?
0: I mean, explore is really about just... Get in there, do your own thing and find out what's happening in, in your own lucid dreams because everybody is different. One of the things I love about lucid dreaming is that everybody can be their own researcher. You don't have to take it from me or any other lucid dream expert. You can actually become lucid in your dream and then take on your own experiments and just see what that world is and what it means to you. There are so many different possibilities for exploring lucid dreams as I mentioned earlier with the different levels of control that's one starting point you know how far can I engage with this dream what can I do what happens when I do this or with that so having that um, that element of experimentation and exploration is extremely exciting
1: well in reality we're limited by so many things including our limiting beliefs the way the brain works logic all of these things that we're just not limited by in the dream world. So the idea of being able to explore your consciousness or subconsciousness without those limitations is almost like what we work towards with years and years of mindfulness practice. But moving on to
0: creating, how and what do
1: lucid dreams help us to create?
0: With creativity, I mean, that's a major part of what I've uh, researched because that was part of my, my doctoral research. Um, so for example, I wrote a novel, Breathing in Colour, which was based on inspiration I got from my lucid dreams. And they helped me not just with incredibly vivid, amazing dream imagery that I saw in my lucid dreams, they actually also helped me with the plot ideas and they helped me to get to know my fictional characters better. So one of the experiments I did was to go into my lucid dreams and uh, as soon as I realised I, I was dreaming, I would call out that I wanted to meet one of my fictional characters that I was developing in the novel, and that was <laughs> that was always uh, very interesting because I would always discover something new about them, you know, and the the way they reacted to me because they reacted as as people would in waking life. Uh, it was just very surprising sometimes to find out what I learned about them. So that was uh, one way of becoming a. Uh, Helping uh, my creative process, and I also interviewed um, a lot of artists um, for my for my PhD research. And for example, one one guy used to just walk into an art gallery in his lucid dreams and look around for the most beautiful painting he could see in that art gallery once he'd found it he would focus on it with full attention until he woke up and then he'd have this beautiful dream art in his head and he could then uh quickly sketch it and then start working on it and actually recreate that art that he had found through wandering through his lucid dreams um, and I've also used my lucid dreams for collages. Um, I, I never really felt that I was particularly artistic, but when I got deeply into lucid dreaming when I was at university, when I was about 19 or 20, I really needed a way of showing, of kind of bringing into the waking world this incredibly vivid imagery that I was seeing in my lucid dreams. And so I found that photocollages were a good way of doing this with a marbling technique as the background, loads of really bright colors. I mean, they look really super psychedelic because when I found whenever I became lucid in a dream that everything would just light up, it was like Everything in the dream was super conscious and that reflected my own conscious awareness. The colors were brighter and it was just absolutely marvelous. The things I would see, incredibly surreal imagery that seemed replete with with life and consciousness. And so that came into my lucid dream collages. And then funnily enough, (laughs) those lucid dream collages would then appear in my regular dreams to remind me to get lucid they'd act as a lucidity trigger. <laughs> you know. So I'd be in a regular dream and I'd see my lucid dream collage on the wall and I'd think, what's that doing on the wall? Oh, yes, it's because I'm actually dreaming now and then I would become lucid again. So it's wonderful the way that when you start to want to get lucid in your dreams, your dreaming mind actually helps you to become lucid. It sends you triggers so that you wake up inside your dream.
1: I had a friend who sold paintings for a lot of money, and his inspiration came from visions he saw while doing psychedelics. But this sounds so much more sustainable. It almost feels like cheating, but it's coming from your own mind, so it's really not. Now, we've touched on this one a little bit already, but
0: how can lucid dreaming help with healing? Lucid dreaming can be very useful for healing as well. So you can, um, if you have a physical problem in your body, for example, then you can become lucid in a dream and direct healing energy to that part of your body. People have found this has been helpful for various ailments, physical ailments. and often you can also send light and love to that part of your body. Um, and I, I found, for example, I had fibroids, uterine fibroids, which are benign tumors. Uh, and this was before I was going to get pregnant with my, with my baby. So the doctors knew I wanted to get pregnant, but they said, oh, you should probably have the fibroids removed first surgically, uh, because they grow when you're pregnant because of all the estrogen that floods the womb. And I thought, oh, I don't really like the idea of that. Uh, maybe I can try and heal naturally and so I started to have these incredible lucid dreams that like I'd never had dreams like this before and I was just floating in orange light and it was incredibly healing light it was quite amazing and I also combined that with an affirmation that the only thing that grows in my womb is a baby (laughs) so as to discourage uh, the fibroids from growing but also to enable uh, a child to grow and in fact, then I got pregnant, and the doctors were still humming and hawing about, about these fibroids. But even though the baby was growing, the fibroids stopped growing. And then the baby got bigger and bigger, and we couldn't see the fibroids anymore on the scans. And after I had my daughter, I went in for another checkup, and those fibroids had completely vanished. It was all completely healthy. So it, I don't know. You could say, of course, in any of these uh, kind of anecdotes that uh, they might have gone anyway, you know, maybe it had nothing to do with the lucid dream and the the affirmations, quite possible. But um, for me, I felt that those moments of pure orange light in these lucid states really helped me to release whatever it was that that was causing those fibroids. So that's my own uh, example of physical healing in a lucid dream. This example is
1: just more evidence of how powerful of an effect the mind has on the body and how going inward can have outward results as well. But lucid dreaming can also assist in emotional healing as well. And we'll learn about that right after this short break. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, The Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Listen to The Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. So we just went over how lucid dreaming can help physical healing. How can it help with
0: emotional healing? There are so many things we we carry around with us, so many traumas, and people can actually overcome traumas or even phobias through lucid dreaming. For example, one guy used to have a very strong fear of the dark. He couldn't sleep in the dark. He had to have lights on. He didn't know why this was, but it was really bothering him. And so he used to have these recurring nightmares of a demonic cupboard, like a really awful cupboard, very, very scary. And he decided to become lucid in the, the next time he had the nightmare and then face this demonic cupboard. So he became lucid in, in this nightmare, and it took all his courage to walk towards this cupboard. And the cupboard started to like vibrate as if this thing inside was about to burst out. He was really scared. But he kept on walking, and as he bravely walked into this cupboard, it just dissolved into shreds of shadow on the floor around him. And beyond it, he saw sunlit fields, and he walked into the fields, and everything was beautiful and very warm and lit with sunshine. And he woke up, and he wasn't scared of the dark anymore. His fear of the dark had vanished, and those demonic Cupboard dreams never came back either. So we can we can change a lot. There's a lot of possibility for healing in the state of lucid dreaming, just as there is in other waking lucid states that we can do if we because not everybody can get lucid all the time. Um, although there are plenty of techniques, some people just say, no, it's it's too difficult. I want to, um, you know, I I want to have the occasional lucid dream, but I also want to find other ways for healing. And that's what uh, I focus on in in my book, Mindful Dreaming. I focus on not only what we can do in a lucid dream, but also on how we can work mindfully with our dreams for healing while we're awake. Uh, And there are plenty of techniques for doing this, like um, the lucid writing technique that I developed at university. It's just when you, you focus on a dream that you've had Um, with your eyes closed and just really bring it back to life so it's very vivid and then you half open your eyes and you write without stopping as you keep that connection with this internal dream imagery and you'll see it transforming and changing and you just write and write without stopping without judging your writing and then When you've stopped doing that, you reread your writing and often there's some sort of solution in the writing. Something has changed and transformed in the same way that happens when you're actually lucid in a dream. And one guy uh, came to one of my creativity workshops and he said, I've been blocked for six months. I can't write. I can't do anything. And I'm having these recurring nightmares of these ships, beautiful Ships that are coming in and they're being smashed on the rocks. And I'm standing on the top of the cliff and I'm seeing this all happening and I can't change anything and I feel dreadful and they're just getting smashed to pieces. And so he worked on this in lucid writing. And when he'd done his lucid writing, he said, Wow, something incredible happened there. He said, instead of the ships coming in and smashing on the rocks the way they always do in my nightmares, in the lucid writing, I saw them rise up from the sea and fly up to the top of the cliffs to safety. And he was very pleased about this and felt like he'd resolved something. And I saw him a couple of months later, and he said that, in fact, just that simple changing the imagery like that or allowing it to spontaneously change had made him understand that... Bad things happen, but you can change your perspective on a situation. And that had completely helped him with the problems he was having in his life. And his creative block had dissolved that day as well. So we can create this, this lucid, mindful change in our lives when we do waking dream work, just as we can in a lucid dream.
1: I love that lucid writing technique because I feel like every time I start to journal something, Everything just becomes so much more clear, even just bringing awareness to it in general. My most memorable recurring dreams have always stopped once I've finally told someone about it or spoken it out loud. When I was really little, I used to have this recurring dream that I was stuck in this room with high ceilings but no windows, with just my mom, my older cousin, and a lion. The room was all cement with high ceilings and no windows, but there was one single cement throne in the center. And somehow that was the only spot safe from the lion. My mom was sitting on the throne and she could only scoop one of us up with her. And my cousin kept jumping up before me. I'd be standing there just bawling my eyes out, pleading for my mom's help. Then the lion would growl this deep, ferocious growl, leap at me, and then I'd wake up. Looking back, it totally stemmed from the fact that people always thought my cousin Tracy was my mom's daughter and not me. And as a little kid who's obsessed with her mommy, that's like really hard to deal with, especially as an only child with a single parent. The dream even came back a few times when I was older, but I was able to look at it and realize how ridiculous it was. And the moment that I brought that awareness, the dream stopped recurring.
0: It's just so interesting to to work with these kind of dreams because I think particularly with recurring dreams and recurring nightmares, they've got this message. They're saying, hey, you're stuck with this. There's some emotional issue here and it's it's sticking. It's like a sticking point in the psyche. And so these dreams just keep coming back and coming back. And it's, it's kind of usually it's only when we face them and acknowledge them or gain some sort of insight into them that they then kind of relinquish their, their grip on us and they allow us to, to move on. I mean, some dreams just simply want us to acknowledge a situation in our lives and how we feel about it. And that can be um, the very first step to healing. I remember one woman who... I mean, she came to one of my um, weekend courses and she was not really into dreaming. And she said, you know, that's not really my thing. I know you're going to do some dream work, but it's not not what I'm here for. I'm here for the creativity and the artwork. I said, absolutely fine. And she still shared a dream with the group. It was the only one she could remember, she said. And it had happened six months earlier. And it was a horrible nightmare. She said she saw her two grown-up daughters lying dead in coffins. And she said this was such an awful dream. She was very scared that it was, gonna, it was like a predictive dream that this was going to happen, that her two grown-up girls were going to die. Um, and I, I knew she didn't want to really do dream work, so I just asked her one question. I said, what was going on in your life at the time when you had this dream? And she said, oh, uh, let me think, six months ago, oh, yes, my youngest daughter had just moved out of the family home. And the second she said that, she realized what the dream was about. It wasn't about her daughters dying. It was about them having moved out of the family home. So she was experiencing empty nest syndrome. And in fact, she realized how bad she had felt about them moving out. She was grieving them as if they were dead. And so simply acknowledging how terrible she felt about that situation actually enabled her to release it. So sometimes it can just be A very quick thing. It's just about your unconscious mind saying to you, hey, you're suffering. Look at this situation. You need to act. You need to take care of yourself or whatever it is. And then when you realize that, you can then take steps, you know, to make the situation better.
1: So now that we've gone over the what's and the why's, let's get into the how's. I got really into this last year and bought a book on lucid dreaming and tried it for a few weeks. And I even started to make progress. But then I actually started to launch this podcast, so my priorities changed, but I'm really excited to get back into it. So how do we start being able to lucid dream?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's an exciting thing to try. I mean, and that is a really good thing, actually, Melissa, is getting excited about it is like uh, the first really important step because you've, you've got to really want it. You know, unless you're a person who naturally has lucid dreams, which actually many people do. But if you're not finding you're having any naturally, then get excited about it. So, for example, you can you can imagine what would you really like to do or experience when you next become lucid in a dream? And again, this is not because it actually matters what you do when you become lucid, but simply because if you have an idea that excites you, that will help to cement your intention okay so you'll you'll start to feel like yeah that is an actual concrete thing that i want to do in my next lucid dream i'm excited about it and yeah i'm going to make it happen and then take the time to just visualize what you're doing in this this uh, lucid dream that you're going to have and you can also ask your dreams for help with getting lucid so one really important thing to do is to write down any dreams you have because that shows your dreaming mind hey, I'm serious about this I want to have a relationship with you and I want to communicate with you help me out, you know, help me to get lucid and the dreaming mind actually will respond, it's like um, a flower in the sunshine, you know If if you pour sunshine onto that flower in the form of your attention by writing down your dreams your dreams will respond, they'll become more vivid, the plots will become more coherent and your dreaming mind will start to give you little hints and tips of how to get lucid so for example once i was at a party in a dream and i was speaking to a young man and he said uh, oh of course in dreams you can float and i looked down at our feet and i saw that we were floating several inches off the ground so you know that was a dream character clearly showing me that this is a dream and i became lucid so your dreaming mind will help you out with that um, also, another thing that will help is becoming mindful in your waking life and noticing your life as it happens now. So if we develop what I call a lucid mindset by day, then we just we simply become more aware and we ask ourselves, you know, what state of consciousness am I in right now? Yeah. Am I daydreaming? Am I asleep in my bed and dreaming? Am I wide awake you know what kind of state of consciousness am I in right now? And take a moment to just look around you and see all the colours and run your hand over the, your desk or your book or whatever you're holding and feel it and also feel your body. Your body uh, is also a really great way of tuning into whether you're dreaming or not, because the dream body feels very different from the waking body. Uh, a dream body is lighter and it's kind of stretchier and bendier. Uh, you can jump up in the air and float, you know, all these things that you can't do uh, in the waking body as a general rule. <laughs> so, um, you know, take do, do things like that to just help connect you to yourself and to the present moment Meditating also helps because waking lucidity is basically mindfulness. So uh, that can be enhanced through daily meditation Well, just, you know, five minutes of meditation before you go to sleep can really, really help as well. So the, these are the kind of things that you can do. Also, reality checks when when you just ask yourself, am I dreaming right now? But really expect the answer to be yes. You know, don't just be like, am I dreaming? No, of course I'm not dreaming. (laughs) Just get on with it, you know. Instead, you ask yourself, am I dreaming? How do I know that I'm not dreaming? Because if you think about it, in most of our non-lucid dreams, we fully believe that we're awake. You know, it's only when we wake up that we realize, oh, you know, how could I have not known that I was dreaming when I flew through the sky like that? And, you know, it, why didn't I understand? Because at that moment, when we're in the non-lucid dream, we totally believe the reality we're in. So it's very good to question your reality while you're awake. And that will make you develop a critical mindset that will help you in your dreams to recognize when crazy things happen and identify them as being dream things so that you then become lucid.
1: That's so symbolic for waking life as well because on the deepest level, I believe that all of our struggles are illusions created by the ego while our true self or true consciousness is just pure love. But on a more surface level, sometimes we'll just be in these deep struggles and not be able to see our way out of it at all. One of my favorite sayings is you can't read the label from inside the bottle. But if we look at somebody else's issues from the outside, or even our older issues in hindsight, it's always twenty twenty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. Well there were so many parallels, you know, to, to dreaming and to waking life. And I think it's wonderful to To see the events and situations in our waking lives um, as if they were dreams, like see them symbolically. uh, And think, as you said earlier, I think, you know, you ask yourself, why is this situation coming up for me in my life? What's it here to teach me uh, about? And if you ask that in the context of, um, if this were a dream, what would my dream be saying to me? You get pretty much the same kind of result. You start seeing your life as a series of synchronicities um, or symbolic encounters and events. And that helps you to understand on the psychological level what it is that you're actually creating in your life right now.
1: That reality checks tip you mentioned was actually what got me to experience my first lucid dream. I know there are a lot of methods of reality checks, but the simplest one I found is throughout your day in waking life, Question as often and deliberately as possible, is this real? This way your mind gets used to asking this. And since dreams pick up imagery and thoughts from reality, there's a good chance that it'll pop up in a dream. Well, in this particular dream, I was sitting on a beach and I was pushing my toes into the sand. Then for whatever reason, I started pushing the sand in between my toes with my fingers. I don't know why, but it gets weirder. Because all of a sudden, I realized it was actually cookie dough. (laughs) And there was something so outlandish about me squeezing cookie dough into my toes that I suddenly thought, what is happening? Is this real? And then all of a sudden, everything around me dissipated, including my body, and everything went white. It was like I floated up and merged with everything. That oneness that you hear about. The closest thing I can compare this to was my experience with 5-MeO-DMT which if you aren't familiar with it, it's a really powerful psychedelic from the Sonora Desert Toad. And it's called the God Molecule for a reason. There's a whole Netflix documentary about it, so I highly recommend watching that. But the moment everything turned white and I just started to take control of it, my alarm went off and I came out of it.
0: Oh no, what a bummer.
1: <laughs> alarm
0: clocks are really a pain in the neck.
1: <laughs> oh, But it did give me hope that Only a few days into my attempts at lucid dreaming, it actually started to happen.
0: That's amazing, though. I mean, I love it that everything went white and then you floated and dissolved and didn't have a body anymore. I mean, that's like what I call deep lucid dreaming. There's a whole uh, section in my complete book of lucid dreaming about these deeper, more spiritual types of lucid dreams that we get when the dream imagery, the usual kind of dream furniture, as I call it, falls away, and then your dream body disappears or dissipates and then you find yourself floating in what can feel like infinite space and it's often light it could be black light or it could be white light um, and you have a sense of oneness and expansion and it's it can be extremely spiritual and very revitalizing and reju- rejuvenating um, and these are fascinating states to explore and um, I, I, I've sometimes had dreams where I've actually asked, I've asked what the dream is made of. Um, there was one dream I became lucid in, in a room, and there was a window, and there was someone there, and I was thinking, oh, what should I do? Should I fly out the window? Or, and I thought, no, no, I'm going to ask the dream a question. And I, so I shouted out to the dream, um, what are dreams made of? And then as I asked that, the whole dream started to shudder and shake and dissolve. And this this is such a familiar thing for me that I just burst out laughing. And I said, "Okay, okay, I get it. Dreams are made of energy, you know, because it was all kind of turning into this massive energy. Um, And then I said, but answer me this. What is energy made of? And then there were all these streams of light and they all seemed to be interconnected and incredibly beautiful. And they came threading through in these kind of amazing chains of white light. And I gasped, I was just in awe and I said, oh, right, energy is made of light. And the more that I've experimented with my lucid dreams, the more I've found that when everything falls away, what you are left with is light. And it's brought me to my theory of uh, of the lucid light, that it's like the baseline state of consciousness. So we tend to think of waking reality as our baseline state of consciousness, right? But I don't think that's true at all. I think it's actually uh, this state of light that you perhaps you know briefly experienced also in your own lucid dream, this dissolving away and just becoming a part of this light. Uh, and it can be... Well, an experience of radiance and oneness. Uh, So that's an experience that you can have through lucid dreaming. And one of the best ways of uh, getting into that state is to meditate in a lucid dream. So when you become lucid, you simply decide to meditate and you'll see how fast everything falls away, the imagery, and you'll often find yourself floating in this infinite light state, which is quite wonderful. So there's a lot to explore.
1: You've written that lucid dreams have their own flexible laws of physics and are generally experienced in a dream body. I'm curious about the flexible laws of physics. A lot of us, I think, assume that dreams don't have any laws of physics, although it does make sense that they'd just be more flexible since it's like an expanded version of what our minds are used to. But in deep lucid dreaming, it seems like those laws sort of fall away completely. So what are the flexible laws of physics?
0: it's interesting because in lucid dreams you know we we often think anything is possible as we talked about at the beginning right but you'll find it's it's very interesting to see that sometimes people lose the ability to fly or else or else they just can't get off the ground and and so a lot of the laws of physics in lucid dreaming although in a lucid dream you should be able to fly uh, often these laws of physics are linked to our psychological state so if somebody is feeling doubtful about their ability to fly, for example, um, and they don't have the strong intention that they will be able to fly and the expectation that it will work, then they'll find themselves dragging along on the floor and not being able to to actually take off and fly. So it's very interesting that the laws of physics in a lucid dream are often highly linked to thought responsiveness and to our, our mental state. Um, And so it's it's interesting to see what you can do in a lucid dream. There's been some wonderful research done uh, at the University of Heidelberg in Germany, which has looked into how people can um, improve sports skills in lucid dreams. And what they can do is they can slow time down, for example, in a lucid dream. That's another example of the flexibility of the laws of physics. Time is different. You can slow time. Time down. One guy, for example, was trying to perfect a, a kickboxing move um, and he slowed time down in the dream so that he was able to perfectly perform this very complicated kickboxing maneuver. And because he practiced it so slowly and with great balance and attention in the lucid dream, when he woke up, he was able to do it. So it helps to it helps you to actually strengthen the, the neural pathways in the brain when you actually do something, you perform an action in a dream, and that's been uh, that's been shown with uh, doctoral research um, from Germany. So that's that's one way of helping, like using the flexible laws of physics in a lucid dream to to help yourself to improve athletic performance. Um, so basically, what One of the amazing things about lucid dreaming is that you can explore for yourself how physics works. How how does time work and how does gravity gravity work you know if i drop an orange in a lucid dream would it take the same amount of time to hit the ground as it would from the same height in waking reality um and and you can just actually have so much fun experimenting with with all with all of these things and flight is a is a great one to try you know how far can you fly how fast can you fly can you even get off the ground (laughs) what's going on if you can't that kind of thing so lots of lots of fun things to explore you also teach about a
1: symbolic language of dreams. So what do you mean by that? And how do you decode
0: this language? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, dreams dreams have their own symbolic kind of language, uh, which means that sometimes you have a dream and you think, oh, I have no idea what that was about. Absolutely none. Uh, you know, why should I dream about this? Uh, this strange, I don't know, Bobcat, for example. <laughs> I saw a bobcat recently in Arizona, so I've got bobcats on the brain. <laughs> but yeah, so like, why does I dream about this? What does it represent? And you can actually um, just work with the dream to find out what it is that it's actually saying to you by looking at the symbology. So um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, if I tell you a dream, you might have your own idea about what it means, but it would mean different things to different people. Uh, because of this uh, metaphoric language. So uh, one dream I could tell you would be a guy dreams, um, I crossed to the other side of the street. Now you might think, that's God, that's such a mu- mundane dream, you know, how boring. Um, but if I told you that this guy was actually dying of AIDS, and then you think about the expression of crossing over to the other side, you could see that for him, that dream was uh, him preparing for his death. So it can be incredibly meaningful for one person and for another person it could mean crossing the other side of the street, could simply mean um, I'm taking a new perspective now, I want to see this this situation from uh, another place. Um, so this is an example of the symbolic language of dreams. I don't do dream interpretation because I believe that the dream belongs to the dreamer and only the dreamer can really know what the dream's about. But it's excellent to write down your dreams and then you'll start to understand the particular symbols that come up in your own dreams. Um, another example of a dream is uh, a guy dreams, uh, the radiator cat explodes off my car. Now, I don't know what that dream would mean to you or to me. um, But if you then learn that that guy actually seriously lost his tempo the previous day, (laughs) the dream makes sense in the context of that. You know, you talk about people blowing a gasket. You know, we often talk in terms of machinery and mechanics. Um, So it's just very a very nice thing to engage with your dreams, write them down and then discover more about your individual symbols that keep coming up. And that can also be a great way of becoming lucid because if you always dream about a particular thing like um I don't know, rainbow coloured snails, then you can say, okay, the next time I see a rainbow coloured snail, I'm gonna realize that I'm dreaming and I'll become lucid. So it can be a lucidity trigger as well to familiarize yourself with the language of your dreams.
1: I used to hate going to sleep because I thought it was a waste of time. But thankfully, in the last couple of years, I've totally changed my relationship with sleep and now I love it. But now I'm even more excited to go to sleep. Is there anything that we haven't covered yet that you just think is really important for listeners
0: to know? Uh, There's a lot we haven't covered yet. (laughs) I mean... Basically, it's just such a wonderful world, the world of lucid dreaming. It's so exciting. There are so many things that you can do with it. I also think it's it's really important for us as adults to learn about the possibilities of lucid dreaming so that we can help children with their dreams and their nightmares. You can also draw on your dreams to help you to overcome grief Uh, when you're bereaved, somebody you love has died. There are many people who've come to me and told me about wonderful lucid dream encounters they've had with a deceased loved one who has appeared in perfect vital health, and they've been able to give them a hug and tell them they love them. And they've known that that person is all right, you know, things like that. So dreams can, can provide us with Deep solace and comfort. Um, and of course, you can explore reality, as we said. You can meditate in a lucid dream. You can go for those deeper experiences. Um, you can also heal yourself psychologically, uh, overcome nightmares, improve physical skills, uh, promote creative skills. Uh, all sorts of, of different things. So there's a whole other world out there to explore. And I just encourage people to to explore their dreams, um, not only when they're lucid in their dreams, but also in their waking lives. It can be just incredibly beneficial and very very deep and wonderful.
1: Wow. Yeah. After my dad died, I had this dream that I was standing in my grandma's driveway and suddenly my dad walked up. In the dream, I was aware that he was already dead. So I broke down into tears, unconsolable, just hysterically crying. And he just kept saying, I just need you to know I'm okay. Everything's
0: going to be okay. Oh, it really is so moving when that happens. And it's just incredibly meaningful. So that's a moment to cherish. You know, that is a moment of connection to cherish for sure. Oh, thanks for sharing that.
1: It was and... At the time, I kind of felt like I wasted the encounter because all I could do was cry and I couldn't even get any words out. And obviously there were things I wanted to say, but now looking back, I'm just really grateful for the memory. I actually had a few more weirder ones afterwards, but but any and all of them would have been so much cooler if I actually had control. So for those of us who are interested in learning more about lucid
0: dreaming, where can we find you online? they can go to my website, which is www.deepluciddreaming.com. And there there's all my books and all loads of information about lucid dreaming and a free ebook as well that they can download. So just explore the site and you can get in contact with me via the contact page. And I do respond to those emails that I get. So please stay in touch. Well, guys, I'm going to bed.
1: For all the links mentioned in this episode, including that Netflix documentary on DMT, go to mindlove.com slash 035. No, but really, I am so excited to go play in magical dreamland. And I'd love to hear any stories you guys have about lucid dreaming. So tell me all about it on Instagram at mindlovepodcast. I have separate posts for every episode. So I love hearing what you guys think and I respond to everyone. Plus, I've been loving IGTV lately, so it's almost like having mini Mind Love episodes several days a week. For another really amazing way to stay inspired between episodes, don't forget to sign up for the Morning Mind Love. You'll get daily inspirational messages, and people have been loving them, so I think you will too. And last but not least, please leave a review on iTunes or comment on CastBox. These things really help the growth of the show. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week.